0: Wonderful Counselor, wonderful Counselor, wonderful filled with wonder. Now you know the Nativity scene. Everybody knows we see the Nativity scene everywhere you look right now. And the beautiful thing about a Nativity scene, it really uh, speaks to us because the manger, the, the 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 manger, the the place where Jesus was, really represents the place that joseph and mary was in the manger represents our life it represents us how many of you know that our life is not always pretty our life can get messy isn't it crazy that jesus the son of god the king of the universe chose to be born in a humbled place where there are animals and dung it stinks He chose to be born in that place. He chose to show up in that manger. See, you and I sometimes can't even fathom that this king of the universe would come into our mess and our lives and bless our lives. How many of you know that that manger was blessed that night? You had the presence of God there right? You had the presence of God there. You had kings that showed up, right? They had, uh, they brought gifts. You know, you had, you had these angels all around and it represents, you had Jesus, the son of God there. And you also had these other people there. Who, what else was in the manger? What else do you see in the manger scene? What, what other character was in a manger? Do you remember? Shepherds, shepherds. Why did God pick shepherds? Why did God pick shepherds to be in a manger? See, shepherds in that day, they really honestly, they were like lower echelon of like occupation to be a shepherd was a like a humble job. And and God actually relates himself as a shepherd. See, God it, everything that God brought in that manger is showing us who He is: kings, shepherds, the presence of God, the Word of God, Jesus. But isn't it interesting that God also relates Himself as a shepherd, someone that doesn't isn't scared to get dirty, someone that serves, somebody that would lay His life down for. The sheep And, you know, the Bible says, because we're talking about being, uh, knowing about a wonderful counselor, to be full of wonder in his counsel. And one dynamic of Jesus is that he's a shepherd. Not only is he a shepherd, but he's a good shepherd. Say that with me, a good shepherd. Come on, say it again, a good shepherd. John 10, 11 says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. Verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Listen to this. He says, I am the good shepherd. I am a good shepherd, and you are the sheep, and the good shepherd listens to my voice. It sounds like a wonderful counselor. What does a wonderful counselor do? He gives you direction. How many of you want to have God's direction in your life? The Bible says that he is a wonderful counselor. He is a good shepherd, and he speaks to us, and his sheep listen to his counsel and follow him, and when you begin to follow him, you will be filled with wonder. See, this is the secret to filled with wonder, is to listen to his counsel. When you begin to listen to God's counsel, And you begin to follow the good shepherd, you will find yourselves full of wonder with God. How many of you want to be full of wonder? He's a good shepherd. He's a good shepherd. And he wants you in this season and for the rest of your life to know how to hear his voice, follow him, and be in awe of who he is. And I want to talk about that today because the more that you trust him, the more that you begin to... Receive his goodness, the more you will see his wonder. See, just like on Christmas morning when kids are excited and they're giddy and they're, they're, they're anticipating. And, and isn't it awesome when there's more than enough under the tree? How many of you know that God wants us to be that way with him? But the problem is the world will take away our wonder for God. You hear about God, you want to be excited about God, or, but you, you're just like, ah. Uh. See, when God begins to get dull, you know that the world has caught your wonder instead of Jesus. How many of you want Jesus to catch your wonder? You will be overwhelmed. You will be uh, mind blown by how wonderful God is, but God wants us to be able to step into that and see that in, your, in, in our lives. God, you have to know that God, his, one of his main attributes is that he's good. Moses Moses uh, told God, God, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. What does glory mean? Glory is actually like what you're about. So Michael Jordan, his glory is basketball, right? Tiger Woods, his glory is off. it's what he's known for right and Moses is saying I want to know what you're known for what are you known for God and God says I want you to go in the cleft of a rock and I'm gonna pass by you and I'm gonna show you what I'm known for and look at what Moses says Moses says in Exodus 34 6 and then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful gracious long suffering and here's this word again abounding are more in goodness and truth. How many of you know that's a good father? He said he is so good. He's not just good. He is so good. He is, he is extravagantly good. He's extravagant in his goodness. So if we want to really see this level of goodness in his life, we need to listen and follow. We can already see his goodness when we're far away from him. As a matter of fact, the Bible says it is the goodness of God that brings us to repentance. I I haven't seen very many people that came to God and stuck because they were scared they were going to hell. And stuck. I've seen them in the moment, like, I don't want to go to hell. I'm going to repent and give my life to God. But if your motivation for God is not going to hell, you'll never last. It is having a revelation of his goodness that will cause you to endure to the end. It is your revelation of seeing how good he is. How many of you want to see how good he is? Filled with wonder. Filled with wonder with his goodness. It will change your life. It will change your life. Something big happened to me this week. Um, I actually got Lasix this week. So, you know, last week or the week before last... I couldn't really see your face. Now I see all of your faces. You're not a blur. I mean, I see you, James. I'm looking forward to you playing the saxophone, by the way. I, see, I wouldn't have known that was James. I would be like, I think it's James. He looks, it kind of looks like James. But I was like, you know, like today, I can tell who's in the message and who's not. Two weeks ago, I didn't know. So, I mean, I got Lasix, and honestly, honestly, I got it, in the next day, I saw more clear. It's kind of like when you go to Walmart and you look at our, uh, you know, a store and you see those really high def TVs, You're right? It's like high def. That's what it's kind of like. I can, I can see far away. I can see things seem a little brighter. They seem a little clearer. Uh, it's becoming 2020 overnight. And this is an awesome thing because I can drive better. I can see things. I read better. It is helping my life a lot, but it's also showing me things I didn't see before. I looked in the mirror the other day and said, my God, I didn't know my teeth were getting that yellow. Couldn't see it before. I've been doing white strips up a storm. I even put on a retainer that was like around college time because I was like, I'm seeing stuff that I wasn't seeing before. Those things hurt. My teeth still hurt. I tried to put them in last night. I'm trying to work them in there. But how many of you know that your sight, when when, when you change your sight, everything changes? You see the good things. Things are brighter, things are awesome, but there are also things that you need to change. And God says, I want you to see my goodness and my truth. When you see how good God is, it compels you to want to change. It, it is something inside of, because you see things that you didn't see before. That's why God says, Jesus is the light. Now, think about this. I mean, the process of these LASIKs were pretty crazy. I mean... There, it was it was a little, like, nerve-wracking because I, I didn't look up any videos or anything like that because I was, you know, I didn't want to get freaked out, right? So I get to the place, and the doctor's like, you need something to chill you out. He gave me a little medicine, and he said, what I, I need you to do is, first of all, first of all, how many of you know that if somebody's going to put a laser on your eye, you need to kind of do your research and see if they do a good job? I had to find out. That it was a five-star doctor not a -a four-and-a-half star you don't want a -a four-and-a-half star doctor putting a laser in your eye right second I get there I have to trust him and I have to listen to him he's like you got stigmatisms you got this and that so I'm like all right I trust you you have a good track record how many of you know that God has a good track record you can trust him he is like a doctor he is like a counselor and so I listened to him and I was like okay I trust you now He said, all right, now what you need to do is you need to commit, because I know that you want, you want, you know, this done, but you need to commit, and you got to show up. And then I need you when you show up, I'm going to give you some medicine, and I need you to lay down and rest. Why? Because, honestly, I thought at first, if they're going to put a laser on my eye, I'm going to be asleep. Nope, you're not asleep. You're wide awake. You're actually laying down awake. And they, look, the night before we watched a spy movie where somebody was being tortured and they taped his eyes open where he couldn't close. That's exactly what they do in surgery. They tape your eyes open and they are like, relax, take a rest. And then what they do is they do a little suction thing on your eye and you kind of know that your eyeball is popping out. Relax it's okay. They gave me those little balls to like squeeze in the middle of it, you know, like the little uh, stress balls. And then they had to count down. They were like, okay, only 15 more seconds, 15, 14, 13. And what they would say is you got to look right into the light. And I'm like, so I have a part to play in this. This is a little, this is a little stressful. Look right into the light." And and then I hear, like, I smell something burning, and I'm like, oh, Lord, my eyes are literally burning right now. I'm not doing a good job with promoting Lasix right now. (laughs) But that's what happens. Look to the light and stare at the light, and then before you know it, then they tell you to go to sleep, and the next day, you see clear. You're actually in a better mood when you see clearer. (laughs) Things aren't as foggy. You actually seem more awake when you can see clear. Things are great, but like I said, you also see things that need to change. And God wants you to see clearer in your life. God wants your life to be brighter. He wants your perspective to be brighter. He wants you to be able to be excited about life and see far away. He wants you to see in your future. He wants you to be able to appreciate things that you weren't able to appreciate before because you're actually seeing his goodness. Now, just like there was a process to seeing, there is also a process for you to be able to see his goodness. One of the things that, that taught me, somebody that taught me into doing this, there was a guy that got LASIKs and he said the next day he actually saw colors that he didn't see before and he started to cry. Because it literally changes your sight. This is what happens when we're in the presence of God and we see God correctly. When we look into the light, He actually changes our perception and causes us to be overwhelmed with His goodness. It doesn't mean that your situation changes, it means that your eyesight has changed. And there is a process that He wants us to go into where He becomes a wonderful counselor. I am overwhelmed. I see him in another way. I'm overwhelmed with the goodness of God. I'm overwhelmed. And just like there's a process in that, there's a process that I want to give you today that I believe that if you begin to step into, you're going to be full of joy. You're going to be full of peace. And as a matter of fact, there's going to be open doors around you. You're going to see things you didn't see before in your life. How many of you want to believe for that? And I want to give you, in the next 15 minutes, I want to give you four steps of experiencing his extravagance i didn't know if it was four steps of that or four steps of being wonder filled you can write whatever one you want but the first one is this if you want to be filled with god's wonder if you want your eyesight to be changed if you want to be close to god and feeling god and being renewed by god number one you have to learn to listen and trust Just like this doctor, he was five stars. You got to know that God has a good track record. He is a good shepherd. As a matter of fact, Psalms 23, I love that David says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sounds like he's fulfilled. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. He's my counsel. He's my God. I shall not want. I have fulfillment. I have abundance because I trust and the shepherd, I'm following the shepherd, not my own desires. I am trusting in the shepherd. And the first thing for you to trust is you got to know that you have a good shepherd. I hope today that today you start to say, you know what? I'm done with following desires of my own, and I'm going to start to follow the good shepherd. So the first thing is we have to listen and trust. Take his counsel. Take his counsel. How many of you know that the gifts of God are found in God's word? The gifts of God are found in God's word. It is life for you. So if you want to begin to be overwhelmed, filled with wonder in the goodness of God, I want to encourage you today. Maybe you don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you don't have a personal relationship. Take the first step and say, God, I'm trusting you as being the shepherd and the counselor of my life. That's what God wants. Yeah, I love Matthew 6, 26 because it says, Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. Listen to this. And aren't you far more, it's this word again, it's this word again, abundant? Aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? God is saying, Listen, you need to trust me. I'm your good shepherd. I'm going to take care of you. Look at the birds. Look at, the, look at the field. God dresses the flowers. He says, how much more do I love you? I'm going to take care of you. I want to encourage you today to not put faith in your job, not to put faith in your occupation, not to put faith in your relationship, not to put faith in your secure world because you will live long enough and realize that nothing is secure. Any secure security outside of Jesus will become an insecurity your gifting, your talent, whatever, any security outside of Jesus will become an insecurity. God wants your security and your trust to be in him. Come on, wave at me if you want your security and trust to be in Jesus. So the first thing, just like I said, you know what? Doc, I trust you. You've got a good track record. I heard you were good. The first thing I want us to change the way we think is God is not this uh A guy in heaven with a white beard that wants to like, you know, like King Triton ready to like strike you down when you do wrong. God is a good father and you can trust him. He has, he says, even if a good father on earth, and he compares this father as almost evil in comparison to God. If you ask for a piece of bread, is he going to give you a rock? He says, how much more will your father in heaven give you See you can take the weight of the world off when you begin to trust him It's not all up to you God is a good father and he's gonna direct you in the path which brings me to my, my Second point Psalms 23 2 through 3 he makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul first David said Number one, I trust him. He's my shepherd. I made a decision. He's my shepherd. Number two, he makes me lie down. He makes me lie down. See, this is the second thing the doctor told me I had to do. He said, you need to lie down and relax. It's hard to hear from God when you have had no sleep. Come on, somebody. It's hard to really focus on the light and be at peace at focusing on the light when you have been going and going and going and going and haven't stopped. Did you know in Genesis 1, the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. In other words, we are, we are God-like, right? We are his children. And God worked for six days. In the seventh day, he, I don't think God gets tired, right? But it's a principle. God's not overwhelmed. It's a principle. He said, I want you to be like me, and on the seventh day I rested, I actually was celebrating all that was done. How many of you know if God took a day to rest, you might need to take a day to rest? Now, this is what you probably have heard, uh, a Sabbath. You probably heard that word Sabbath. And you're like, wait, I thought, you know, you know, that's like part of the Ten Commandments. No, there is sabbath in the ten commandments and god fulfilled all the law but even in the law if you look at it like thou shalt not kill i think we still need to listen to that right thou shalt not lie we still need to listen to that right god did fulfill the law and he has ten commandments that are for our morals And, and god says when you have jesus these laws are put into your heart right but there god instituted this sabbath before the law ever came God took a Sabbath. Let me ask you, when's the last day you've really took a Sabbath? You know the first time God said something was holy in the Bible? Now, this is another theological term. It is the term of first mention. If you want to study something in the Bible, find it the first time it appears in Scripture, and it will give you context and a basis of what that word or subject means. The first time you ever hear the word holy in the Bible, it had to do with the Sabbath. Isn't that crazy? He instituted the Sabbath, and he called it holy. I think rest is one of the most spiritual things you can do in your life. Americans, especially in the Western world, we are conditioned to never rest. It's almost bragged about. How you doing? Just busy, man. Just busy. Running, 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 running. And it might be true, but we brag about it. Like, You never never hear anybody like, how's it going? I'm just so bored. No, life is busy. Life calls you to run, and we, we pride in that. And God wants you to work hard, and he wants you to have a passion to work, but he also says there needs to be a day that you reset. See, Sabbath is not a day off. Sabbath is a celebration. Sabbath is a time when we look to God and we thank God. That's why we actually come here the first day of the week. We give God our first. We come here and we celebrate God. I want to encourage you that, that see, on a day when you say, now, it doesn't have to, be, have to be a specific day. I'm just telling you, God wants us to learn to rest. Did you know that they've done studies that people actually take a rest once a week? They live, the majority of them live 8 to 10 years longer. That's amazing because God wants us to go and try our hardest, but there also needs to be a pause button where we say, okay, this is God's day. This is, a, this is not a day I check my work because this is a day I prove to God I trust him. It's just like our finances. We give to our first, right? Because we're showing our trust. This is a day where we say, God, I believe that you've got this handled and I'm going to celebrate. Now, now, yes, that's why we come together and we worship, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you eat good, spend time with family, have Christmas every single week. Take a day and say, look at all what God has done this week. Even if you had a bad week, I can guarantee you you can find things that God did in your week. Eat some good food. You're in the right city for that. Enjoy your day. Enjoy God. This is what it was. Did you know back in the day, they they knew how to celebrate? As a matter of fact, in the Bible days, if you got married, you were required to take a year off and enjoy your spouse. I wish we still did that (laughs) God knew how to take a pause and stop but we are in a culture of go 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 and we wonder why we have one of the highest heart attack rates in the whole world it's good to go but just like God has a rhythm look at the ocean look at the stars look at the solar system just like god has a rhythm of the earth god has a rhythm for you isn't it funny as human beings it's like god shuts us down for a whole night he's like push a button we go to sleep we wake up we're renewed right i want to encourage you to have a day where you celebrate god and you don't think about work it's a discipline (laughs) you know the bible says Uh, in Hebrews 4 work to be at rest it actually takes work not to work like today it's gonna take discipline for me to go home or when Lee and I have our day off our Sabbath it's a discipline to not talk about work it's a discipline to not pick up my phone and read emails about work it's a discipline to turn my phone off come on somebody they say that even when people are not at work, but they're, wor- they're worrying about work, their mind and their emotions and their heart-, their heart rate is at the same pace as when they're actually physically at work. So when you're at home and you're concerned about your boss, or you're at home and you're concerned about your coworkers or what you have to do, you're not really resting when you're thinking about work. And God is saying, hey, I want you to take a day. It's a principle. It's not like... I love that it says, he makes me lie down. If you keep going, you're going to have to lie down one way or another. You will get burned out if you don't take a day. See, I want to encourage you to, see, a a Sabbath day is not a day that you just, this is the day that I do all the errands that I need to do. That's not a day off. This is a day I got to get all my stuff done. That's not, that's, that's, that's a day off. That's not a Sabbath. Unless you enjoy to cut your grass. I don't, but some people do. You need a day to celebrate God, get together with family, worship God, and enjoy your life. Look at, look at Elijah. Look at the life of Elijah. Elijah does these great things for God, these miracles. He's calling down fire, revivals happening. He's doing all these things. And then one day, one day after he does all these things, Jezebel, this woman, threatens him after after he destroyed many of the prophets of baal one day one little threat elijah is in a is in a cave contemplating suicide the great man of god contemplating suicide he said god take my life do you know what god told him to do he said wake up eat some fresh bread and go to sleep and then let's talk Some of you need a good beignet. Just have a good cheat day. He said, hey, wake up. I need you to get refreshed, get some food, and go to sleep. See, that doctor said, I will never be able to work on your eyes until you get relaxed. And it's the same for us. It's hard for us to see God and hear God and listen to God when we're going, 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 but we don't take a day to reset. Now, you know, in our life, things are always happening, and things are always running. But I'm here to tell you, when you give God that day, and you're saying, God, you know, enjoy your life, enjoy your kids, enjoy your family, enjoy, enjoy to laugh, <laughs> laugh a little, you know what I mean? Try it. And to be honest, in my life, this is a discipline that has happened recently. I used to be in a setting where it was go, 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 go until you burn out see, Elijah, he was going, 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 doing all these great things for God, but he got burned out because he didn't take a rest. What was God's counsel? Take a rest. And when he woke up, he actually gave him counsel and said, this now he's able to see, and now he's able to go do what God's wanting him to do. Now, listen, I know, I know that every day is a Sabbath with us, but it is because God, you know, abolished the law. But It's also a principle of God's word. Take a day. Take a day. Look at your neighbor and say, take a day. See, this is a rhythm. This is a rhythm for our life. See, once you're able to, I really believe that when you get real rest, real rest, not american rest, real rest. Some of you just need to buy a robe and sit at the house get you a coffee if that makes you feel good and enjoy your day and when somebody tries to call you about work don't answer the phone rest look at your look at your neighbor and say you got to rest this is actually spiritual god cares about this earth suit we call a body god cares about it and he knows that our heart our mind and emotions aren't made to go 24 7 we are not robots we are humans And in our life, in our life, this is a discipline that allows us to be in a position to be able to hear from God clearly. So what happened? He said, the doctor told me, hey, he said, hey, you need to commit. And when you come here, I need you to calm down, take a little sedative, sit down, relax, get some rest. I'm not going to operate on you until I can tell you're rested. And then what did he say? Then he said, I want you to look to the light, which brings me to Psalms 23.3. Are you okay? It says, he restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. So what does he say? He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. See, when you lie down in green pastures, you'll be able to get led to peaceful streams. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Isn't it awesome that we have a God that is a restorer? You might be burned out. You might be disappointed. You might be full of stuff. But God wants to restore your soul. And when you're restored, listen to what he says. And I'm going to bring you to paths of righteousness for my name's sake. In other words, I'm going to get you to have rest, and you're going to be able to see clearly where I want you to go and what I want you to do. You're going to be able to listen, right? That's why the doctor said you got to look at the light, which is my third point. You have to follow the light. You have to follow the light. This is something that we do daily. This is something that we do daily. We sometimes following the light is uncomfortable. When I was in that chair and I was looking at that light, I had to focus on it. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. What does the light represent? In your life, the light represents Jesus. The light represents the Word of God. I want it. Look, we don't read the Word of God so that we can have a good uh, quote on Instagram. We read the Word of God to find Jesus in the Word. He is the light. He is the word wrapped in flesh. He is the light. So I want to encourage you, don't look in the Bible and look for yourself. Look, Go into the Bible and look for Jesus. The Holy Spirit's job is to reveal who he is to your life. He is the light. That's what revelation means. When you begin to look at him and you say, oh, my God, he's good. So to be able to look into the light is, and, and if you're a new Christian, I encourage you, listen you know, some people want to read the Bible from the beginning to the end. The whole Old Testament is just a shadow of Jesus. It's to show us who Jesus is. Look and find who Jesus is and say, God, what do I need to do to look like that? That's what it is to read the Word of God. To read the Word of God, it's like a scapel. It gets the wrong things out, right? Just like When I was able to see, I could see the wrong things. When we go to the word of God, we say, God, show me who you are and show me how I become like you. So don't just read the word to read the word to have a check off your box. That's how it becomes religious. Well, I read my word today. I feel good. Yeah, but what would you get out of it? What does it mean to actually be a disciple of Jesus? What does it mean to actually follow Jesus? Is you're finding him and you're following him. You're in the Word of God, and you see how Jesus begins to bless somebody, and you say, God, you're so awesome. God, what do you want me to do today to bless someone like that? And God will give you a thought. He will give you a picture. He will put something in your heart. And when you step out in faith and do that, that's when God begins to move. That's what it is to follow Jesus, not a list of rules and regulations. It's to walk by faith and not by sight. This is when Christianity gets fun. If it's just religion, you can hang it up. I don't want it. But this life that is filled with wonder, with following this man, Jesus, is the life that fulfills you. Come on, how many of you want to begin to walk by faith? Come on, walk by faith. This is when we go in the Word and we say, God, I want to see you. All in the Old Testament. Risa. if you can come and play. All in the Old Testament, it shows us pictures of when Jesus is elevated, what happens to us. There's a a portion of scripture with Moses. He's uh, in the wilderness, and Joshua, that's a representation of Jesus, uh, is fighting on the battleground. And God says, as long as Moses' arms are up... The the going to be won. So they put two men under his arms and whenever his arms went down on That hill he was up on a hill whenever his arms went down They begin to lose the battle, but as long as his arms were up They won the battle how many of you know that that's a picture of the cross as long as Jesus is the focal point of your life You are gonna win the battle that you're facing yes. and God says don't look at your problem. Look at the light every day We look to the light every day we look to Jesus and say God who are you and what do you want me to do you know what if you're confused about what you really believe about God I want to encourage you that Jesus is the best theology Jesus is the best theology when you look at him And follow him, that's who God is. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to demonstrate the Father. What is our God like? You see it in Jesus. And what does it mean to follow him or look to the light? It's to say, God, I want to see your word and I want to follow your word. You're my shepherd. You're my shepherd. God has an answer for you. That's why he says he restores my soul and he leads me in paths of righteousness sometimes looking at the light is not easy because the light can expose things that need to go but you know that he's a good shepherd and he's bringing you in good pastures he never asked you to give up anything that he won't give back to you 30 60 and a fold how many of you want to begin to follow Jesus in this season come on religion and the duty of religion can get caught You can get caught up in that. And God's saying, scratch all that. I want to do something to your eyesight. I want to begin to change how you think. You begin to see things differently. Which brings me to my fourth point. Are y'all good today? Fourth joint. Fourth point. Enjoy your sight. Enjoy. Once you follow, once you're seeing God and you're following God, look, I recommend getting a journal. Get a journal. Write down what you're seeing in God and then ask God, what do I need to do to look like you? And God's going to begin to speak to you on what to do that day. And when you begin to follow him in this way, things are a little brighter. See, look at what David said in Psalms 23. He said, he said what happens? What happens after he's walking in paths of righteousness? I love this. He says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. His perceptions change. It doesn't say everything's perfect. He's seeing different. Because God is his shepherd and he's following after God. He says, I fear no evil. You are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Don't you love that? what the enemy meant for evil, you're going to not start to see your circumstances bad. You're going to start to see different because you're following after God, the good shepherd, that God is turning all things around for your good. For those that love God and are called according to his purpose, you're you're going to begin to see things a little different. Obstacles are actually going to become opportunities in your life because you're following the good shepherd. You're starting to see things a little different. I love what he says. He says this, these are the benefits. He says, you will anoint my head with oil. Which is interesting because sheep, back in the day, they would actually anoint they would put oil over their head and ears because it would cause it would not allow flies and different things to come and and mess with their hearing see when you're following god you begin to have your 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 mind protected and and what bothered you before the suggestions of the enemy before like those flies you begin to feel confident in who you are in god you begin to have a grace and thinking on the word of god you god begins to anoint your head with oil then he says this he says, my cup runs over. Sounds like extravagance again. Sounds like extravagance again. Doesn't mean that everything's perfect, but I'm overflowing. How many of you want to overflow? He's overwhelmed of who God is. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord to, to forever. I want to encourage you to begin when you look at jesus and you're following jesus begin to enjoy him the bible says that those that delight in him he gives you the desires of your heart those things that you're worrying about begin to follow him and the bible says seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all things will be added to you he's got you covered come on stand right where you are if you feel comfortable i want to pray for you today i want to pray for you today that today we're making a decision to follow the Good Shepherd. We're making a decision to say, you know what? First of all, I'm going to say, God, I trust you. I trust you. I can't do this on my own. Second of all, I want to rest. Teach me this discipline of rest. Third of all, from that rest, I'm following you. Every day, I'm looking to the light every day. And I'm going to begin to trust and know that I'm going to begin to enjoy the benefits of following you. I'm going to expect an overflow. Quit expecting bad things to happen. Some of us have, from the last two years, we have PTSD. Right? We're almost expecting something wrong to happen. I want to encourage you, expect goodness and mercy to follow after you. There was a time that Leah got in a wreck at this intersection, and it was a traumatic wreck. And every time she would pass by that street, she would, like, get a feeling, and she would cringe. It was like PTSD. It was like going through it all over. And she actually one day got out of her car and faced that place that she got in that wreck and said a prayer to God and said, I'm not, she would, she would clinch. And every time she would go past it, that's what we're like in life because you've gotten hit so many times. You're almost expecting bad things to happen. But David said, no, when you begin to look at me and you begin to follow me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God is going to begin to lead you in paths of righteousness where you didn't know how to go. You didn't know where to go before. He's going to begin to lead you there for his name's sake you believe it the funny thing is when you start to follow jesus every day he'll begin to bring you into the big picture in your destiny it's the daily pursuit of following him and you're going to look back and you're going to say look at all that god has done why because you decided to make jesus your good shepherd can we do that today come on right where you are just lift your hands you feel comfortable you say why do we lift our hands this is just a sign of surrender saying god i surrender to you i i from now on i'm not going to try to do this life on my own i i I surrender it's also saying god pick me up god pick me up when you see little kids and their arms go up to their mom and dad they just want to be picked up right now god wants to pick you up he's a good father he's a good shepherd come on under your breath Right where you are, say, Jesus, pick me up. I trust you. I trust you. Come on, right now, you've been trusting in your own efforts and your own abilities. You're surrendering all your own efforts and abilities and say, you're saying, God, I believe that you're going to give me grace to be able to do the things that I can't do. Come on, say it again right underneath your breath. Say, Jesus, my good shepherd, I trust you. Say this. Say, restore to me the joy of my salvation. I make a commitment. Come on, say it after me. I make a commitment to follow you, to listen, and to follow. Right now, I believe God is taking away all those things that you have been worrying about, all of the things that you've been fearing, and in your heart right now, God is giving you peace because he is your shepherd and he's saying, I want you to begin to be filled with wonder because I am your counselor and I'm going to begin to exceed your expectations the things that you've been asking for because you have decided to surrender to your good shepherds. Come on, let all the worry go. Let all the fear go. Let all the anxiety go. Let all the weariness go. Jesus said, are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? He says, come to me. Walk with me. Watch me. Work with me. And I will show you A real rest. Right now, I believe God is putting like a blanket on you. His presence is like a blanket and you're going to receive real rest. Rest in your mind. Rest in your emotions. Rest in your soul. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will enjoy the house of God for the rest of my life. Lord, we say it today. We say you are our shepherd. Thank you for peace in here. Thank you for joy in here. Now, if you're here and you say, you know what? To be honest, I'm ready to take the first step which is to ask Jesus into my life. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, it's one prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And we have a team that's praying together right now. If you want to ask Jesus to come into your life today, say this after me. Let's all say it together. Say, Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you died for me. I believe you rose again. I turn away from my own life, and I want to live for you. Come into my life. From this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. Come on, the Bible says that when you prayed that prayer, your sins are as far as the east to the west. They are no more. Your sins are no more. God does not see your sin. The Bible says that he actually cleanses you, and he's putting his spirit in you right now. The Bible says that you're a new creation. All old things are passed away. All things become new in your life. Your past is over. His grace is greater in your life, and your future's brighter because you have a relationship with him. And if you said that prayer today with nobody looking around, I'm not going to embarrass you. If you said that prayer today, just slip up your hand. I just want to see your hand. I see your hands. God bless you. I see your hands in the back god bless you i see your hand you can put them down lord i thank you for everybody that lifted their hand or online that said that prayer i thank you lord that your word says that when one person turns to you all the heavens rejoice that there's a party that goes on in heaven and today we want to rejoice because your sons and your daughters have come home to you lord we just thank you that you are so good you are faithful you're a good shepherd Come on, if you want to celebrate with heaven today, for those that turn to God, on the count of three, let's just give God a hand today. One, two, three. Come on, give God a hand. Come on, give God a shout.